there's times when you'll get on our team plane after a game. So we'll play, you know, 7 to whatever, 9.30, mm -hmm. and then we'll hit the, hit the airport, and we'll fly into another city. Oh, that's so we're taking off at 11 p.m. or so, maybe 11.30. Holy crap. And you'll look on our team plane, and every guy is like, you know, either phone up to their face, computer screen, or whatever it may be, you know, watching a movie, texting, playing a game, whatever it is. And this is like, you know, 1 a.m., oh. 1.30 a.m., and you know, I, I do the the night shift and, yeah, okay. and all that, but at the same time, you know, it's it's we're forced to be up at hours that we shouldn't be up, and we're forced to eat at hours that we shouldn't be eating. So. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day looks back to about 50 years ago, and scientists thought they figured out why geckos had sticky feet. It turns out they were sort of right. In 1969, a scanning electron microscope, some of that big evil technology, uh, revealed chevron-shaped pads on the lizard's toe that had these brush-like structures called CT. And they had little tiny suction cups on them, which helped lizards do things that no human can possibly do. Well, it turns out gecko feet don't really have suction cups, but each of the four feet have enough tiny CT, nearly a half a million, to increase adhesion via something called van der Waals forces, which are really weak forces between molecules. So those little hair-like things create enough, uh, enough adhesive force together so that they can stick to slick surfaces. So there you have it, an example of something where we knew exactly how it works since 1969, except we were damned wrong. And this sort of thing happens over and over in science. So here's the thing. We know that geckos can climb up glass. And we think we know why. And we probably know why. But there may be another thing to learn, for instance, that van der Waals forces are involved. So what does that mean for you? Don't be too wedded to that idea that if something can't work, therefore it doesn't, that is dogma. Be curious and observe. And anytime you see an observation that doesn't do what you think, it doesn't require extraordinary evidence. That's also bad science. What it requires is curiosity and testing. And that's where all the cool biohacks are to be found, where all the new things in science, all the new advantages in a sport, they come from noticing little things that didn't match our pattern. We are wired to ignore, degrade, and insult things that don't match our pattern. Stop that crap. It's not good for you, and it's not good for science. Well, I finally found a guest who has bigger shoes than me. I'm a size 16, and our guest today has size 17. So thank goodness I'm not in the ugly shoe club. Oh, wait. I am in the ugly shoe club. We all are when we have big feet. I'm talking about none other than a very, very well-known athlete and just a great human being named Blake Griffin. He's a power forward for Detroit Pistons, a six-time NBA All-Star and former LA Clipper and pretty much a badass of basketball is a good way to describe it. So if you're a sports fan, you know who he is. If you're not a sports fan, you probably don't care about all his achievements. And if I read them all to you, you would say, wow, this guy's awesome. And he actually is. So, Blake, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I want to talk to you because you know what it's like being on the show, but you're also 2019 Forbes 30 under 30. You're into health and wellness. Mm -hmm. You're an entrepreneur. Like, you're a renaissance guy. 
which is really cool. And you're also doing it, a lot of guys in your field, okay, you're 40, you're 50, you get into business, but sure. you know, you're 30 and you're, you're cranking some stuff out that's pretty cool. So I want to just pick your mind, pick your brain, talk about health and wellness. And also want to talk about your new show because you just uh, are coming out with a show. I'm mm-hmm. not sure by the time we put this show out whether your show will even be out there, but I was just a guest on your new show. Tell me about its name here. Uh, so I basically started this this new show for me, and we actually haven't even fully landed on, on our, our exact name that we like. <laughs> um, that's the beauty of recording a lot of episodes before it airs. Um, but I've always been curious in, in health. Uh, health. I was a health and exercise science major in college. Um, my I was sort of, I grew up, in a time in Oklahoma where not very many people are healthy. No one really cared about any of that stuff. And my mom actually did. She would read nutrition books. Uh, she would cook for us every night. My brother and I both would drink a, a powder called barley green. Oh, yeah, I remember with that water. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And this was back in like the mid nineties, early and mid nineties in Oklahoma. I keep saying that because No one would have done that. Did yeah. people beat you up for drinking that? I, I definitely my friends definitely thought differently of me after they <laughs> left the house and uh, uh, spent the night for the first time. But, you know, I say all that because it's been a part of my life and it also wasn't something that was really forced on me. I get the barley green, I guess, was. But now I'm so appreciative of it because I just naturally enjoy healthy things. And I think some people don't believe that that's a, a possibility, but I actually do. And I've always had this this um, interest in it. So I decided, decided to do a show where I inter- – interview the most interesting people in health and wellness that's why i had you on that's why i've had several other people on that's why i'll I'll continue to do this because i just generally enjoy talking to people who know more than the average person when it comes to health and wellness that's the the dirty secret about podcasting is it gives you an excuse to talk to cool people who've done big things and ask them what's going on and likewise that's why i'm like all right i want to pick your brain here because I, i look at what i was doing when i was you know under 30 uh, I was not taking care of my health. I, mm-hmm. uh, not nearly the way I, I should have been, uh, but I was all about you know, my career. And I, I look at what you've done. I mean, you started out, you're actually a baseball player, mm-hmm. right? And you're, someone told you you were too tall for that or something? I don't know. Uh, I just, I mean, I played all sports, really, to be honest. And basketball just kind of, I grew to be 6'6 when I was like 14. So, so you were kind of built like, for right, it. You know, okay. yeah, let's just do basketball. All right. So, so you, you went into that. Uh, but. You somehow managed to just be like crazy record in 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 the NBA. That's that's very very impressive. Uh, but at the same time, you're like all right, uh, I'm going to go start businesses and I'm I'm going to do mm-hmm. other things. How do you manage to have the training time in order to be at the very very top of your game and then do this other stuff? Like like where does it come from? For me personally, I made a sort of a promise to myself like early on in my career that mm-hmm. nothing was going to become well, nothing was going to come before training for basketball because it's okay. the reason that I'm here and it's the reason that I have all these opportunities um so I do all my training as soon as I wake up I wake up I eat breakfast and I go I start training so I find time to do all these things after I'm done training and in the off season when we do have time to go do things like this and and and, and have other interests I just feel better when I'm busier. You know what I mean? Okay. So if I have like a free afternoon, I might lay around, I might watch TV. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and that that's what I don't like. You know, when I have a full scheduled afternoon and I have to do this, 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 and this, I feel like a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. And then when I'm done with that stuff, I can still go for an hour and I feel like I can 
get things done because now my brain is just working in that pattern. So um, that's sort of how I got into doing all this in the first place. Who schedules your time? I mean, do you, you're saying you like to keep busy. Do you have like an assistant it's, who figures yeah. all your stuff out for you? It's a full team. I have uh, my manager and, and also my assistant who kind of sort of share responsibilities. Um, you know, during the season, it's such a different thing. Uh, during the season, our, our, our schedule is so dependent on our actual NBA schedule, our practice schedule, you know, our coaches schedule that. So once I get to the off season, I'm kind of like, yes, I get to just like knock out some of this stuff. But then on the flip side, also by the end of every offseason, I'm like, all right, I need to get back to this structure of basketball and all this. So uh, I, I use my assistant, like I said, I use my manager, myself a little bit too. You know, if I'm talking with somebody and I want to take a meeting with somebody, I, I send that off to my assistant, my, my manager, and we make sure that's in the books. And then I get a rundown from my assistant uh, every night you know, the, of, the day, of the day coming up. And, so um, you, don't, you don't stay busy staying busy? And, and like there's such an right. overhead, and I'm the same way. Could we fill up every minute with something that was more valuable than the minute I spent on it? Right. And it, for me, like, am I available at the time? Hey, do you, like, what time could we have lunch? And calling back and forth five right. times, it makes me want to stab myself in the eye with a pencil. Delegating. Are you kind of the same way? Yeah, and, and I've learned to be better over time, but delegating responsibility and de- de- delegating, you know, things that I don't necessarily have to be on is very important for me, so. I, th- let's stop for a second there. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I'm speaking from the perspective of, you know, someone in his mid-40s. I got, you know, 50% more uh, wear on my tread than you do, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, you, you're 30, right? So when I was 30, I totally didn't trust anyone. I was like, I'm not going to delegate. I got to do all this stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm a real man, yeah. you know? How did you learn to delegate? I just learned my lesson. I would forget things. I would I would remember an hour before a meeting and panic and be like, oh, I have to go do this, you know? So I, I finally learned to, like, just let go of some of the things that I'm not. And I'm just not necessarily great at at planning out oh, I my suck time. at calendaring. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, okay, yeah. so there wasn't a strength for you. <clears throat> no, not at all. And I just really, I, I was all, I'm also one of those people that, you know, I like to have my, I like to see what's going on. I like to know everything. So I had to learn to be able to, you know, hey, put, I'm going to put my assistant and I'm going to put this person on email and they're going to figure it out. And then my assistant's going to say, hey, we locked it in for this time. And then again, like I said, she's going to remind me the night before. And that <clears throat> alone is a huge thing for me because I now spend less time having to plan this thing. And then I now have spent, I don't have to spend time even the night before going to my calendar, looking through everything. I just get a rundown of my important stuff and I don't have to, to skim over or skip over anything else that's in there. So when you're on your off season, you got to take care of your nutrition, supplementation, like speed training, strength mm-hmm. training, mm-hmm. Uh, injury stuff, getting quality sleep. Do you, set those priorities with your assistant or your manager and they like slot them into your calendar like, how, how do you actually do this because everyone listening who isn't a pro athlete they also have that same thing where their off season and their on season are more mixed than you so right. i want to know you very top of your game how do you keep that stuff straight when you got everything else going on so for me i'm fortunate to have a really great team around me it's and your I know, team you know right. people aren't always able to have all these things but you know i have to invest in all of these things and, and some of it is is our, the team we play for you know the, it's it's part of it so you know i have my strength coach i have my trainer who actually or go hand in hand they're one and the same um so that knocks out something right there i have my my chef um our team has nutritionists our team has dietitians so even in the off season you're totally set there you're able to use these you're, so, so you're, you're kind of spoiled. On I'm that very, part. very, very, right. very, very spoiled. But you know, when I, and and again, when I fit, retire playing, I will reconfigure this whole situation. 
I obviously won't have to train for four hours a day. Yeah, that helps. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. going to save me a lot of time, and I'll still work out, but it'll be it'll look much, much different. The reason I'm asking in that much detail is I, I have this weird problem where I've, I have an upgrade labs in my house. Mm-hmm. I have all this gear. I don't have time to use all the gear. Right. And I have similar goals, right? You know, you want, I want to manage my sleep, and I've gotten to really, really improve that with the superhuman, uh, the new books and the stuff in there. Um, and uh, just all the recovery stuff, I'm just, I have someone who now, I have a spreadsheet for my supplements, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to put some of the supplements out there that I take that I've been a little concerned about talking about on, mm-hmm. on the new Dave Asprey blog. But uh, I just, I have someone who helps me put them in bags. Because I just right. realized I'm spending too much time on that stuff. Right. And maybe, you know, you can have your kids do it or whatever. Like there's there's different, um, you know, different ways people can get help with that. But I still find that I'm struggling with discipline. And, and you, you have to have discipline to have the record that mm-hmm. you have. So you got somehow your self-motivated exercise. You also have people putting that on your calendar. Mm-hmm. And, but all those other, the little details, like how to take your vitamins and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is, your team does all this stuff for you? Or, or are you... So I just started a thing last year where I'm now taking all my supplements in powder form, except for fish oil. Okay. Yeah, that tastes pretty gross in powder form. Exactly. So that has kind of helped me because I now have these pods where I take an AM and I take a PM. I I was getting up to the point where I was taking probably 40. Yeah, I do 150 pills a day. Yeah. You You know what I mean? And and you you obviously know that's like, it sometimes is a struggle. You know what I mean? It's not always like, oh, you just pop them in and you drink some water and it's good. So that has helped me now be able to sort of streamline that process. Um, so, and, and my chef normally takes care of everything nutrition, right? So okay. anything that has to do with supplements or anything like that, he's making sure he stays on top of that. He communicates directly with, you know, our nutritionist. Um, so that's like, you know, part of it that's gone into this, this whole, team of people everybody okay. has a responsibility um and and you know I, to this day i'm still tweaking and changing things i'm, I'm saying okay we're going to try this this season instead of this and um it's it's a constantly moving and changing process for me so you're evolving it and you, you have a lot of help with it uh and so on all the supplement side like that if you do everything right how long do you think you can play before like it's going to get there I mean, I, I've talked to guys from different fields mm-hmm. who are playing 10, 20 years mm-hmm. beyond than they're supposed to. Like the Bryan brothers and tennis. You know, they're way yeah. older than they're supposed to be, and they're just they're killing it, right? Are you going to be one of those? I want to, yeah. I, I, I also have this thing where I, I don't know that I can be one of the older guys that sits at the end of the bench. I have such a competitive fire that I, I'm not sure I can see myself getting to that point. But, I mean, you're... Uh, you're seeing it today. You're seeing guys are now taking so much better care of their bodies. And just the big th- one thing, ice alone. Guys yeah. started icing, I would say, like in the early 2000s maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could be off on that. I wasn't in the NBA then. But just doing something as simple as that has now allowed guys to play longer and longer and longer. And guys are figuring out that it's not all about, you know, just doing this this squad or this doing this uh, exercise. But it's a whole – it's a whole – gamut of things that you have to do to be able to play that long so yeah i, I mean i think i can play to 38 for sure okay. and and, nice. and and you know i'm hesitant to say further than that because you just don't know how your body's going to feel sure at a certain point like you don't really know 
I, I say 180 for my age because I'm doing basic math on what I know we can do. Right. But I may change my mind when I'm 150. Right. Like, right. you know what? I'm growing, you know, an extra elbow out of my forehead. And <laughs> I'm just, I'm not okay with this. I'm, I'm out. You know, <laughs> right. it could happen, right? Right. So, but uh, you, you think you're going to be able to sustain because you started young and mm-hmm. your mom got you going mm-hmm. on, on the green stuff early on. And, and so, okay, you're, you're going to do that. I'm a little bit curious, though. Um, I, I know because we've talked. I'm not sure all the stuff you're allowed to talk about, but you do some pretty heavy duty recovery technologies. A lot of the stuff mm-hmm. that I do. So, what are the kind of things that you've done uh, that maybe would be in the realm of biohacking? Well, I've, I have a hyperbaric chamber. All right, score one for um, that. Um, How do you use it? I use it mostly during the season, and uh, the season I used it the most. I would try to I. Since we go on the road, I couldn't take it with me on the road. But when I'm at home, I tried to use it at least 30 minutes a day. Wow. Some okay. days I would like, I would used to take my pregame naps in there. Okay. So I would Smart. get in, zip up, take my, take my iPad, watch my film, fall asleep. Um, so I've done that. I have hot tub, cold tub at the house. I have a infrared sauna. I have the infrared bed where you lay on it. Nice. Um, what else? I mean, I do cryotherapy. Our, our facilities have cryotherapy. Um, I have the Normatec boots, the recovery boots. Okay. Got um, a little mini biohacking lab there. Yeah, I mean, I have like a solid, now I have a, a solid uh, buildup. And actually, one of my favorite things that I did last season for the first time was use uh, BFR, blood flow, blood flow restriction, as a recovery technique and not just for lifting. Interesting. So I would just do passive BFR for five minutes three sets of five minutes so it'd be five minutes on five minutes off five minutes on for three times and i found that that was very beneficial in my recovery not only boosts natural um, human growth hormone but it just it it flushes the legs and and and, um help my legs feel feel better um throughout the course of the season last year i played the most minutes i'd played since my first year um you know and this is 10 nine years in so you're increasing your your VEGF and nitric oxide, and exactly. yeah, there's so much going on. Uh, and you look at things like Katsu, which has been around for since the beginning of the Bulletproof blogs. Mm-hmm. Blood flow restriction with specific pressures and all that. Mm-hmm. But it looks like just the basic restriction there is causing huge improvements in vascular performance. So for you, that's a recovery tack. Absolutely interesting. I mean, I still use it, you know, as a as a uh, active like lifting uh, tool, but we're not able to really lift that much during the season. You know, I have, it's more during the season. Strength training is more about maintaining than it is building. Okay. When you hear someone talk about blood sugar, you might zone out. That's because a lot of us think that it's only relevant to people with type two diabetes, but blood sugar is a topic that everyone should understand. If you want to feel good and have energy, you need to balance your blood sugar. Research shows that even healthy people have wild swings in their blood sugar right after they eat, and spikes in blood sugar make your pancreas work harder. They also make you older, and they put you at a greater risk for weight gain, heart attack, and stroke. Here's why I'm talking about this. Bioptimizers has a new product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough. You take two capsules 15 minutes before a meal. Your body will push carbs and glucose into your muscles for use as fuel instead of fat. That means you get stable energy and you don't have that post-meal crash. Better yet, you can improve your workouts and get better gains at the gym. But the biggest benefit is that it'll improve your overall health. 
Just go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health/dave for an exclusive 10% off. For 25 years, I've had a strong passion for understanding the science behind why we age and what we can do about it. One of the most groundbreaking discoveries in the last two decades is senolytics. Senolytics are plant-derived or pharmaceutical ingredients that can help your body drop old, worn-out cells. Scientists call them senescent cells, and in my books, I call them zombie cells. As you age, those senescent cells build up in your body. They live for a long time, and they eat up your energy. There is a hack for this. It's called Qualia Senolytic. Your podcast sponsor, Neurohacker Collective, created Qualia Senolytic. It eliminates those zombie cells and has a clinical study that supports its effectiveness. I really felt a difference in how my body moved after just a couple months on Qualia Synolytic. It's upped my energy level even more, and my joints feel really good. If you're over 30 and you want to use a clinically tested formula to help you feel younger, try Qualia Synolytic. To get younger now, visit neurohacker.com Dave and try it risk-free for up to 100 days. Use code Dave at checkout to get 15%. That's neurohacker.com Dave. Use code Dave. How do you keep your mind working? I have a very, very active imagination. Um, and, and, and I feel like I have one of those minds that's just kind of always, always going. And I, but I enjoy that. I love to be like in my own thoughts. Um, so for me, during the season, it's sort of tough because you're always in a hotel room. You're always on a bus. You're always on a plane. Or you're in the gym and you're you know locked into whatever you're doing. So... For me, I have to give myself little breaks because of how much we're focused on basketball, focused on film, whatever it may be. I have to give myself little breaks here and there. What does a little break look like? <clears throat> a little break looks like me sitting down and, and, and doing BFR for, it would be 25 minutes basically, and, and zoning out and watching one of my favorite shows. What's your favorite show? The Office. Okay, nice. But I've seen every episode a thousand times, so it's not so much about me sitting there and being like locked in. It's just about me like taking a twenty-five minute break and being able to just, you know, just let your mind vegetate a little bit. Okay. Um. So little breaks like that during the season help me because we play eighty-two games, and on game days, I don't really have that much time to sit and just like think and be doing all this stuff. I'm either in the morning, I'm waking up i'm working with my trainer i'm eating breakfast i'm going to the gym i'm starting my routine as far as lifting and all that stuff goes then we're in the film room then we're on the court walking through all these plays afterwards i'm doing my cold hot hot cold tub contrast i'm going home i'm eating i'm watching film i'm taking a nap i'm waking up i'm getting dressed i'm going to the game and i have a whole routine once i get to the game so there's not a lot of time in there for me to like wander or do all the things that i kind of love doing on it as far as far as my mind goes so when we're, <clears throat> when we're not playing i have to have these little things that kind of keep me fresh nick Foles walked through his travel regimen mm-hmm. uh, when he came on the show mm-hmm. what do you do to stay strong before you get on an airplane uh when you get off an airplane in air because you, i mean you fly a lot with mm-hmm. 82 games so mm-hmm. what, what's your secret so before I always take my meal, I never eat the airplane food. Good, good man. Yeah. I always take my food because a lot of times they'll heat it in like the stove and overheat it. And I, I don't use microwaves. Yeah, me either. So that's big for me is taking my, my own food. 
my next thing that I do once I once I get on the airplane before we take off, I have these things called fireflies, and it's just basically pulse technology. Oh yeah, little electrical stems. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah I've got a exactly. pair of those. Yeah. Uh, so I wear those when you fly on every flight instead of compression pants. Sometimes I'll do compression pants over the top. So okay. during the season, a lot of times I'll have compression sleeves, um, and I'll just I'll put the um, firefly on and I'll I'll hold it on because the fireflies come with like a strap. So I'll yeah. I'll hold it on with compression sleeves. That's kind of cool. And, and if you're listening to this and you've never heard of a firefly, it's a small electrical stimulator that goes on your lower leg mm-hmm. uh, and like kind of outside of your shin. And it's shown in clinical studies to reduce swelling in the legs. Mm-hmm. So okay, using electricity and compression, and sometimes just electricity. All right, mm-hmm. that's that's different. I've never flown with that other than one time when I, I was playing with it. I I love it, and I okay. use it all season. Pretty much every flight. The only time, like, I won't use it if I like turn it on. And I like go to sleep, and it happens to turn off while I'm asleep. You know, okay. or like you run out of battery, so, so you only have like twenty hours. So okay. I do that almost every single flight. As soon as we get to the hotel, I schedule with our deep tissue um, massage. massage therapist, okay. and and we kind of try to go through the whole body. Um, and then once I do that, I kind of take a, a break. I'll normally grab food. What do you eat on the road? I eat. Basically, unless we're in a city where I really know, you know, the, the ins and the outs of, of what's around me and stuff, I'll just do room service. Okay. Um, so, and I, during the season, I don't really do dairy. I don't do gluten. Um, so I'm normally, you know, choosing from whatever they have on the road. And now it's pretty, pretty easy to do that pretty much everywhere, yeah. um, which is great. And, and the team helps us out a little bit with, you know, doing some custom menus if it's, okay. it's not that great a hotel. But that's my sort of travel routine from once I'm going, heading to the plane to, you know, at night when, I, when I'm ready to go to sleep. Okay. Uh, do you do anything with like noise canceling headphones, baseball hats, sunglasses, blankets, jackets, anything like that? I don't do, I've, I've, done, I've done the sunglasses, especially late at night. A lot of times if we're flying during the day, I don't do the glasses, okay. but our team carries uh, the the blue light emitting glasses. Okay. They might be the ones I make. I'm not sure where we got to deal. They with might be. Teams. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Don't. It, it's okay. But we'll look into it. Um, if, I'll send you some if you want. There's there's a bunch of sports teams who are using yeah. them. Because for us, we. But you know, just that they're giving you some kind of light control yeah. for that's noteworthy and it's super new, mm-hmm. right? And um, I think we've had it for the past couple of years at yeah. least. That's still in the overall scheme of things yeah. to get an advantage. I I think that's part yeah. of being a winning team. Because there's there's times when you'll get on our team plane after a game, so we'll play you know seven to whatever nine thirty, mm-hmm. and then we'll hit the hit the airport and we're flying to another city. Oh, that's so we're brutal. taking off at eleven p.m. or so, maybe eleven thirty. And you'll look on our team plane, and every guy is like, you know, either phone up to their face, computer screen, or whatever it may be, you know, watching a movie, texting, playing a game, whatever it is. And this is like, you know, 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m. And, you know, I, I do the, the night shift and, yeah, you know, okay. and all that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's we're forced to be up at yeah. hours that we shouldn't be up. And we're forced to eat at hours that we shouldn't be eating. So yeah. um, finding a way to combat that is, is tough. All right. That would that would knock me out if I did that for the yeah. kind of schedule yeah. you're on. I mean, I, I fly. I'm on the road 150 days of the year. Right. Uh, and I don't know. If, I probably fly a good hundred plus times. Uh, in fact, I, I know that I do. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I fly at the awful times you guys. I, I think you have the most brutal 
schedule I could think of. So I'm like, all right, you top your game, perform excellently with the worst travel schedule I can imagine. Mm-hmm. So you have to know all the little secrets. Right. What about hydration when you when you travel? What do you do? I use uh, some hydration pills, and I can't believe I'm going blank on the name of them right now. But I use those during games. I use those after game. I use them at all times. So hydration pills. Okay. Hydration pills. Just, these are like little salt electrolyte mm-hmm. kind of things. Yeah, you just drop them in, and, and I, okay. that's the only thing I drink during games. Um, okay. So those help me, you know, with the and I, I'm one of those guys that sweats a lot, so I, I, I have to like really fight to, to get back just to, to zero. Okay. Um. So it's a it's a conscious thing. Every time I, I order room service, like right when I get into the room, I forgot to say this, I'll call and order four of the large bottles of water, <clears throat> you know, the nice. liter bottles of water. So, um, I, I've got a hack that you might like. Okay. I'm an assistant. This is what I started doing. I um, I, I say, look, when I get to the hotel have a delivery for me because hotels there are it takes them like a half hour to bring you four bottles of water and then they charge you 20 bucks a piece so i'm like all right guys here's the deal i want a pack of blueberries or like i want my cold brew bulletproof and i want like six big bottles of pellegrino so can you have a package delivered and then they'll order it like on amazon uh, or oh, instacart yeah. or whatever so then i get to my room and the hotels are so awesome they're they've already put it there and, right. you know, it's one thing. There's a few hotels now where I can, like, get my bulletproof in the fridge. Like, the Beverly Hilton does that. I don't have to do right. that. But if I go to, you know, an, an average hotel in the middle of wherever, like, I know I've got to have clean water because I don't really feel that good. And I know I could stay up a half hour later waiting for room service to deliver it. Right. Or I could just make sure it was there. So if there's food you like, you're like, all right, great. Pack my beef idea. jerky or whatever. It's and it's it, It's been actually a really it's yeah. like a half hour of productive time a day changer for me, and it actually is at least break even if it doesn't save money. Yeah, that's great. All right, you do some comedy stuff. That's mm-hmm. pretty unusual. So, why did you decide comedy on top of basketball? I've always loved comedy. I just li- I I grew up watching you know a bunch of comedy shows with my dad um, and my brother, and and it's just just something that's always struck with me. Um, Stand up comedy shows, uh, whatever it is, movies, anything like that. So when I first moved to L.A., I became friends with some some guys who did stand-up and, and um, are, are pretty prevalent on the scene. I became friends with a guy named Neil Brennan who co-created The Chappelle Show. Nice. Um, among other things, and now has, you know, Netflix specials and all that, and I would just kind of go around with him and, and, you know, watch sets and just kind of be in that environment. And I don't know, I, I got offered, I was going to go up to the Just for Last Festival in Montreal and, and – uh, they they offered it. They said, "Do you want to host a show?" Um, it was a small show, a small venue, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll give it a try." So I went and wrote ten minutes, uh, hosted the show, did ten ten to twelve minutes at the top every night, and loved it. And and the thing that I loved the most about it is I walked away with this new sense of accomplishment. But I also felt like I had this tool that I didn't have before I started. And now every summer I always try to do something that's out of my element and that's going to terrify me. So that was the motivation was something that was a little scary. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I love that. I, I've sought out all the things that, that scare me and done every single one of them for the same reason. Yeah. It's sort of part of evolving as a But human. it's also something I really loved and I always kind of pictured myself trying Wanted to, to but it yeah. was scary. Right. You did it. For sure. Do you get scared? I, 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 this blew me away because as a non-athlete, I talked to to Nick Falls, and he's like, "There's guys like throwing up in the locker room before they go out on the mm-hmm. field. Like, like people are really, some of them are really intimidated, mm-hmm. you know." And he had his own thing. 
I mean, do you get scared before you go on the field? No, not at all. Do, do you guys you play with? I mean, is there anxiety and stress? Um, and, you I, you, I've definitely had teammates who have performance anxiety. Like they will be a different type of player in practice or in workouts when you're, you know, it's not like a game-like situation yeah. than they are in game-like situations. And it's, it's, it's crazy to watch, but I, I just don't personally have that. I, games to me, I, I'm, I feel like I'm better at, in games than I am if you came and watched me practice. Okay. Because it's the real thing, you know, like the pressure, the pressure helps is on. I, lo- I love that. I need that. Interesting. And, and then for comedy, you're like, I, you got to believe, a little bit of pressure, a little mm-hmm. bit of I don't know if I don't want to fail, and you mm-hmm. go out there, and then that lets you bring it. It's the same thing to me, and and it's not the same type of pressure really, because basketball is so like it's just it's what I do. I've done it my whole life. I can I can you know I can do that at any time of the day. Uh, comedy is so lonely feeling. You're up on a stage by yourself, speaking to people, which by the way, public speaking is everyone's number one fear, mm-hmm. and also you have to make them laugh. And not everybody wants to laugh all the time. You know what I right. mean? So you got to kind of navigate that. I've been wanting to do that forever. Uh, yeah. comedy. I just I live in a place where there's no stand-up comedy, and I don't want to travel even more right. away from my kids. Yeah. But so that that's on my bucket list. So that's one of the reasons I'm asking yeah. about it. So you you get great pleasure in doing that. You also do this weird uh, comedy by Blake, uh, where you drive around in a cab. What's up with uh, that? That sounds hilarious. Well, that was um, that. So that comedy by Blake is my charity event that I do okay. every year, and it's a stand-up event. And then this year, I was in Montreal. Actually, I partnered this year with Just for Laughs, so I went back, and we thought it'd be funny to um, to basically like a, a, a basically I was at Uber for you know four or five hours, and I, I just, just drove, drove an Uber. I around. just drove people around, and um, did they recognize you? Some did, and I, it was also weird because I had to make them sit, like, in, you know, the two seats where the cameras were great. They couldn't sit behind me, so you had to have this whole thing. Uh, but it was fun, man. It was really fun. But I don't always do that, but it was um, it was kind of like a thing that I did to promote the the charity event. Okay, so, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, I, what, I, I, what was the craziest thing that happened when you were, when you were riding around as an Uber driver? I think that's just um, hilarious, the idea of that. Well, first of all, I didn't know where I was going. Um, I was kind of doing, I would kind of like be in the same area where I'd do like kind of the same lap, you know, um, nothing really crazy happened. Just trying to, you know, having a conversation with people who know nothing about basketball or, you know, Canadian, French Canadian, um, because there's so many French, French in, in, in Montreal, but it, it honestly, nothing, nothing really crazy happened. I think we kind of, you know, kept it, kept it short enough that it didn't, wasn't really, wasn't really too wild, but it was fun. What kind of reviews did you get as a driver? I honestly, we didn't have that type of feedback with our. You didn't get uh, five star uh, reviews. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't a, technically an Uber driver. It was like a it was like another account. service. Oh, okay. It was, it's a it's a comedy festival, so you know, basically, we had somebody saying like, "Hey, we got a free free uh, uh, car service." Okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I, I wasn't able to get kind of like the sort of sneaky one. You yeah, just, exactly. Like, I did. A couple of people said they would give you five stars, but you know. <laughs> All right. So so you you uh, you passed. Yeah, I hope so. All right. One of the things that is also ridiculous about you, if I could just say this, it's like, oh, yeah, so I'm kind of this big deal on the basketball court and a comedian, and you also decided that you'd become an actor. A little bit. So you're in the female brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why? <laughs> like, 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 you're like 30 under 30. You're doing uh, these businesses. You're a comedian. Like, are you a masochist? Like, I, I, <laughs> I um... 
this one was, so I started doing commercials early on and I really enjoyed doing comedy. You know what I mean? And okay. I, I loved, I, I would only, the, the, my stipulation when I would do these commercials for most of my endorsement deals was like, it has to be funny. And then I started slowly getting more and more creative control and I started kind of getting, getting a little bit looser and being able to just play a little bit more with each, with each time. And, uh, my friend actually, Neil Brennan co-wrote, mm-hmm. Uh, the female brain with a, oh, a lady okay. named Whitney Cummings. So this is a friend of yours. So yeah. You so they okay. wrote, they literally wrote a part for me that was like, I didn't know they were going to do this, but they wrote a part for me that was about a professional athlete who was dealing with injuries. And I, I happen to be, you know, a professional athlete, you know, I've had, uh, I don't have to act. I know this one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was for me, there were, you know, I shot for three days. It was a indie film, small indie film that turned okay. out to have a good cast and it was a chance for me to play somebody else that wasn't really very far from myself. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so you're, you're of, just dipping your toe in it. I was dipping okay. my toe in for That's sure. Cool. But I've done stuff here and there. All right, good deal. So that it just, it seems like, all right, you know, one of those people, oh, and yeah, by the way, I'm also a champion woodcarver and <laughs> right. in 1994, yeah. I won the mustache championship of the world. And I'm like, like, what are you not doing here? Yeah. Uh, okay, nonprofit. A, a lot mm-hmm. of professional athletes I decide that they're going to do something to help give back. Mm-hmm. And I, I do a lot of things to give back as well. Just, I, I think you have a moral obligation as you become successful to, you know, how do you of help course. people? What did you decide to do as, as your nonprofit activity and why? For our nonprofit, my brother and I started the Team Griffin Foundation uh, about three, four years ago. And our biggest thing, both my parents are public school teachers uh, in the state of Oklahoma. And if you've, you've kept up or if, if anybody's heard, Last year, not last spring, but the spring before, there was a t- uh, public school teacher strike in Oklahoma because public school teacher compensation it's is terrible. awful. Yeah, and so my parents did it because they loved helping kids and they loved, you know, my dad was a basketball coach. I would watch him get up in the morning at seven a.m., go to school, teach after school is over, coach basketball, lock up the gym, and then drive kids home, come home, eat, and then work in our our. Um, we had like a, a an awards kind of like a trophy company out of our home. I would watch him do all this every day, you know, go to bed at 2 a.m. And I would watch him, you know, do all these things just because he loved, A, providing for his kids and his family or helping kids, you know, learn their true worth. Mm-hmm. So our whole foundation is is based around helping at-risk youth in Oklahoma, in California, in Michigan, um, because that's what gives brings us the most joy, and it's also what brought our parents joy, and we want to kind of continue that legacy. Nice. Are your parents still around? They are. They are both live in Oklahoma, um, and they're they're doing well. So I, I grew up in New Mexico, so mm. there's a bit of Oklahoma New Mexico rivalry. Right, right. Uh, the rivalry being for which state could pay its teachers the least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know who's winning, but I guess I know who's losing. That's that's, that's yeah. what I know. Uh, so. Uh, what do your parents think about this? Like, wow, you know, look, look at our son today. And, and okay, fine. It was, yeah, my, my, your, your dad's a basketball coach. Of course, mm-hmm. he's going to be like, well, yeah, I'm really pissed off that he's a great yeah. in basketball. Yeah. But like, about all the other stuff, you like, 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 what does your mom say to you when you come home? Uh, my parents are both so, so supportive. And, and you know, I, when I say my dad's a basketball coach, I think a lot of people think that he's doing like, um, he's like, he really forced my brother and I to play basketball and it was just like this, you know, like a a Boeson kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And it wasn't that way at all. My dad encouraged us. We loved playing sports and he encouraged us to play all sports and and enjoy it. And 
my parents are just so supportive of everything we do, and I never, I never have to call and feel like, you know, my dad never makes me feel like, oh, you didn't play this way, you didn't do this. He's just supportive. He's just like a a, a friend that you know. Now he's a friend yeah. that, um, you know, is is just enjoying the ride with us. What did what did he do when you called him the first time and said I just got signed to be a pro basketball player? Um, I remember I went to I went to lunch with my parents when I was a freshman in college, and I, I said, you know, I my coach and and you know all these agents are coming around and, and they're saying that you know I could go at this number in the draft and. Um, you know, I remember kind of sharing all that with him and talking with him about it. And then I decided to go back to school for one year, more year. My brother, who played with me in college, we played together, was going to be a senior, so I wanted to go back for my sophomore year. And I remember, you know, coming out and, and the next year and, and and telling my parents, like, you know, everybody's going to say I'm going to go be, be the uh, number one pick of the draft. And I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to do it. And then they were, again, they were just so supportive. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like this moment where we just kind of like, like oh we did it we made it it was just like this is really cool they had my back they they helped me kind of navigate what I wanted to do um, as far as like what agents and, and all that okay. stuff so th- they were in it with you the whole time absolutely yeah all right uh, and so it wasn't sort of like a surprise phone call or anything like that no no because they just you know my dad being a basketball coach he he, he was in it okay outs, you know nice yeah all right that's that's super cool. I want to ask you the the anti-aging question because I I know Mm -hmm. uh, people are going to be able to hear when you interview me about stuff on Mm -hmm. your show. Mm -hmm. uh, And I'll put a link to that as soon as it shows out, but this episode is going to come out before my episode on your show. We talked a little bit about anti-aging, right? So it's a tough life. You're flying all the time. You're exercising four hours a day, Mm -hmm. which probably isn't an anti-aging strategy. It might be a little bit too much exercise, right? right? Absolutely. So given all the, the hits you're taking, but all the good stuff you're doing for yourself as well, you roll the dice. How long do you think you're going to live? Oh, that's a great question. And it's honestly something I've never really like. You always kind of wonder you yeah. know, what life's going to be like. I think uh, I'd love to see 100. 100? Love to see 100. I think with, with like obviously modern advancements in, in technology and health, by the time I get to that age and, and also being somebody that's very interested in it and I can't see myself not being interested in it, especially after I'm done. Um, I would love to, I would love to see the world at, 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 at um, you know, 70 years from now. All right. That, that's a good solid answer. Less ambitious than yours, but yeah. yeah. And you know, you're doing stem cells and you're doing mm-hmm. you know, PRP and mm-hmm. a lot of the, the biohacking tech, which I think is going to give you more resilience in your sport and maybe more life than you expect, but I hope so. hundreds, a hundreds, a great answer. And uh, the cool thing is for tall guys like us, I, I guess I'm moderately tall compared to you. You're only like six <laughs> inches taller than I am. Like my neck isn't sore from talking to you. Uh, but uh, um, I, we actually have a disadvantage for for living a very long time. Sure. Just like you know, big dogs don't live as long as little dogs. Right. The good thing is we can kick the little people if they're in our right. way. So it balances exactly. out. Exactly. It's fair. <laughs> Life's fair. <laughs> All right, man. It's it's really been an honor to have you on the show and just to pick your brain and see how you how you think about things. And I uh, I admire your sort of just you know put your head down and get it done humility and and just your ability to pay attention to all these details. You're you're doing a lot of cool stuff. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. It was a blast talking to you. And as soon as there's a name for your new show, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it right uh-huh. here in this spot. And in the meantime, 
you guys could probably go to Audible and check out, uh, just check out Blake Griffith. You'll just type in Blake Griffin. You'll, you'll probably find the podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So, and your URLs, people can find you. You're, you're so damn famous. I don't, have to, <laughs> I don't have to give people your URL and all that kind of stuff. You got a website, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, mm-hmm. but you've, what, you have like 10 million followers or something? Uh, over all, all social media, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, it's... Uh, like a lot. So anyway, if you can't find him, you probably need to learn how to use Google. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Uh, so, Blake, uh, I, I truly appreciate your time, uh, your energy, your nonprofit work and just the renaissance nature, what you're doing. I think you're inspiring more people than you know. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. If you liked today's episode, you know what to do. Head on over to iTunes and just leave a review or pick up a copy of Superhuman if you haven't read it. And then once you get that, that copy of the book, there's two things that are really important to do. One of them is you got to read it. And then the second thing is you got to go figure out wherever Blake Griffin's social media stuff is, and you got to harass him online about why he's not doing things to live to at least 180. Okay, that, that's your goal. And if you want to leave a review for his show, for my show, for the book along the way, I would not be offended, uh, but he might be. So there you go. So let's all join together in trolling Blake Griffin about why his goals are so low on anti-aging. Please do. I want him to be higher. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> Did my very best. A human upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.